Well, if Alpha, tonight we are on page 46, and this is really an interesting topic. Who is the Holy Spirit? Now, um, if Alpha's done anything for us over the past weeks that we've been together, I pray at least it's helped us have a clear understanding of what biblical Christianity is and what it isn't. There's a big difference between religious meology and biblical Christianity. Meological Christianity is not Christianity at all. And as I've said so many times, don't believe me. Check the Bible out for yourself. I have had the privilege of, of just talking to many of you guys over the course of, of Alpha. And what I'm hearing is that you're hearing things you've never heard before. And I can just tell you, they've been in, a, in the Bible for a long, long time. Matter of fact, as long as the Bible's been, those truths have been. And if I'd never picked up a Bible or had someone share this truth with me, I never would have known. So, so what happens is we get stereotypes and assumptions of what the Bible's about or what Christianity is about. And, uh, and so particularly the Holy Spirit. I think I mentioned to you last week that the only thing I knew about the Holy Spirit was he had something to do with my shoulders. Because when I prayed... I prayed in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So he had something to do with my shoulders. I'm not quite sure what that was. Maybe help me learn how to fly, possibly. But I just didn't know. And so he's pretty much been ignored. I mean, really, how much have you thought about the Holy Spirit? Father, Son, I get that. I can picture a father. I can picture a son. But Holy Spirit, I just don't really get. But what's the Bible say? Well, the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit is, he is not a ghost, he's not a force, he's not an attitude, he's not a thing. The Holy Spirit is a person, he is the third person of the Trinity. And he thinks, he speaks, he leads, he grieves. There are multiple scriptures that talk about the Holy Spirit, not just being some neutral force or energy out there, but that he is a he. And there are so many scriptures. For, for sake of time, I'm just going to give you a couple of them. One in terms that he, he leads, this, uh, the, the, he thinks, this is the, the, Luke wrote the book of Acts, okay? Acts is the Acts of the Apostles. It's the story of the ascension of Christ and the first church of Jesus Christ and then how the church grew from there. It's a fascinating, it comes, it's the fifth book of the New Testament. So this is the Acts of Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit through the Apostles. And this is what, this is said of James when they've gathered the, church, the, the leaders of the church together. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit... And to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these essentials, things that the church needed to know. Also, we see that he, he was also involved with the, the leadership of the church. Brethren, the, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit foretold by the mouth of David concerning Judas. And so we see here the Holy Spirit is speaking through the mouth of David in the Hebrew scriptures of what will happen in terms of Judas betraying Christ. We, we actually see hundreds of years before in the, in the Old Testament proof of one who would betray Jesus. 
And so we have scripture after scripture pertaining to those things. And so just a little bit of biblical history. We see the Holy Spirit actually in the, the very first book of the Bible, Genesis, in the very first verse we see here in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the water. So we see the spirit was involved in the natural creation of the universe. And what we're going to see more tonight, which I think is more important to us, is that the Holy Spirit is involved with recreation as well. Not just the creation of man in terms of the physical being that we are, the stars or the planets or satellites, anything like that. It's involved with the recreation of man. And we see here on, on page 46, you can see this in your book. He came upon particular people at particular times for particular tasks. You'll see three men's name mentioned there where the Bible says clearly that the spirit came upon Bezalel to be and gave, gave him the ability, the talent to create and design the, the articles that were in the tabernacle that were in the wilderness. Gideon, he gave him power to be leadership over the enemies of Israel. Samson, he gave great strength. We're familiar with Samson against other uh, different peoples. Gideon over the Midianites. Samson over the Philistines. Isaiah, we see in the book of Isaiah, we see the prophet Isaiah with many, many messianic prophecies. And we could go on and on about Moses and Abraham and on and on. But for sake of time, we won't do that. But we say he, would, he came upon particular people for particular tasks to do particular things. And that begins to change in the New Testament. But we see this, that he was promised by God, speaking through the prophets before Christ came to earth. Here's Ezekiel, who wrote and lived some 600 years before Jesus. I've put these, these eyes in red because I want to emphasize them. Again, we've talked about oftentimes about God is the initiator. God is the one who makes, if the, what the Bible tells us is true, God is the one who pushes forward to make sure you and I know what we need to know. Look what he says. He says, I will give you, I, gotta, I, I need a prop table here. Somebody needs to help me with this, but I need a prop table. Um, he says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I'll put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Okay, I'm going to give you a new heart. That must mean you need a new heart if he's going to give us a new heart. Why? Because he says we have a heart of stone. In Adam, we have a dead heart, a heart of stone. But he's going to give us a new heart. That means he's going to place us into Christ and give us Christ's heart. I'm going to put my spirit in you and move you. His spirit is not in us, cannot be in us when we're in Adam. We're dead and separated. But when we are placed into Christ, when we say yes, when we get in the wheelbarrow, say I do, receive the gift, we are placed into Christ and we're given his spirit. And the midst of that is God changes our want-tos. And that's a lot of the question. What happens when God, if, if I surrender to Christ, what happens? What do I have to do then? That's really not so much the issue. 
The issue is who you are then. And what happens is God begins to change our want to's. You just have to watch it. I can tell you, ask people at your table tonight, ask your table. Did God really change your want to's? Yes, God really changed my want to's. Do I sometimes want to do things that he doesn't want me to do and do them? Yes, I sometimes do things he doesn't want me to do. That happens. But he's still my perfect father. And I am still his imperfect but perfectly perfectly made son in Christ. So one other I want to show you here is that he says, this is Joel. Joel wrote some 700 years before Christ. Before Christ, he says, it'll come about after this that I will pour out my spirit on all mankind and your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions. And even on the male and female servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. So see, God will. And then he says, and then we will. I it will come about. I will pour out my spirit. And what's going to happen? I will pour out my spirit. You will prophesy. In other words, you will see things that you will not be able to see. You will know things you could not know lest the spirit of God was working in you. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. And even on the male and female servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Don't you see? God is an equal opportunity giver of gifts. There's no caste system in God. Young, old, male, female, servants. It doesn't matter. The Spirit of God comes equally onto all who he takes out of Adam and places into Christ. This is great news. This is great, great news. And this is what he does. And there's, there's so many stories that I could tell you here. I just, gotta, I just want to tell you one story. Um, this was about... 12 years ago, I think, 12 years ago, um, this issue of old men dream dreams. Now, I am an old man, but I think sometimes he will work both in visions and dreams. Annette and I were in Telluride, Colorado. We're skiing. Um, It's Thursday morning. No, no, no. It's Wednesday morning. We're leaving on Friday. Um, Annette has just come out of um, serious cancer surgery. I mean... 15 hours of cancer surgery and um, she wanted to go skiing and I was like we are not going skiing so we went skiing (laughs) Um, and uh, and one of my friends really encouraged me he said you know she's been through a lot so so we went skiing Um, and it was night but she was kind of tired she was taking it easy and um, and I just made it a point to just kind of just stay behind her by a couple hundred yards. And um, so Wednesday morning, we are propped up in bed. Annette is right here. And we're just, we're just praying together. And all of a sudden, this picture pops into my head as clear as I'm looking at any one of you in this room. And this is the picture that I see. I see myself, as if this is Annette, I see myself up here behind her, and I see her, she is, she is up to her neck in a white sheet, and she is hemmed in 
So she's hemmed in and up to her neck in a white sheet. And it scared me spitless. I did not know what to do with that. So at that moment, I didn't know, do I lock her in the room until we leave? I mean, what do what I do? So we went out skiing is what we did. And four hours later, we're skiing. And she's ahead of me. And I'm not really paying attention. She's just ahead of me. And I hear this kind of a scream. I broke my femur. And I said, oh, that's a shame. And I look up. And it's my wife. And I skied under her because at this time her leg is going like this. And I'm just for 20 minutes just in tears remembering this vision that I had of my wife. And I'm feeling like an idiot. And I'm looking at this nurse and her eyeballs are this big. And and I'm saying, what? She says, big bone break big blood loss and I'm thinking oh God and I'm thinking the cancer went to the bone that's why this has happened I'm thinking all these crazy thoughts so I'm dealing with last week Satan accusation um, and I'm dealing with this week seeing something that I believe God showed me Um, and there she is up to her just a few just not long later after the ski patrol gets her up to her neck with a and going through tremendous surgery. And I thought about that, and it's not that I was supposed to lock her in the room for a couple of days until we left. But just in a way, I can't fully understand the kindness of God letting me know that this is going to happen, but she's going to be okay. The sheet wasn't over her head, which I'm very grateful for. And through that, the opportunities that God gave to talk to different people about his love and care for them, which never would have happened otherwise, were just really interesting. And so that was, I think, a picture. And you guys can talk about others that have happened. And you may, maybe you've experienced these things and you don't even know it. Um, so... Through the time, there's about a 400-year intertestamental between the Old Testament and the New Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures and the New Testament, where we, not much has taken place. And then all of a sudden, uh, we see the fulfillment of more and more prophecies, a sudden increase in the Holy Spirit's activity. And in, in Luke's Gospel, Luke writes concerning John the Baptist, For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit while yet in his mother's womb. We see that the work of God's Spirit in him. And then then we see here when when Mary, Jesus' mother, is confronted by the angel in Luke chapter 31, 35. It says, and the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High God will overshadow you. And for that reason, the holy offspring shall be called the Son of God. Not not the Son of Joseph. Remember, we talked about this. The Son of God. If Jesus is born of the seed of Joseph, he's not capable of being the the, the Savior of the world because he's born of Adam's race. He's born dead. No, he's born of the Holy Spirit. And the result of that is he is born without sin. And so the Holy Spirit is at work in these things. 
And uh, so John the Baptist links the Holy Spirit to the ministry of Jesus. He says, as for me, John writes, or John says, and Luke records, I baptize you with water, but one is coming who is mightier than, than I, and I am not fit to untie his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So the Holy Spirit is often called the spirit of truth. So as we see this, he's talking about, I will baptize you. The word baptize simply is the word meaning to immerse. That's what the word means. It means to saturate, to immerse in. He will immerse you with truth and fire. And when you think of fire, you think of purity and you think of passion. So he said he will fill you with the truth and he will fill you with a passion for him and a passion for purity. And so what Jesus taught, the Holy Spirit revealed. And I mean, we can hear a lot of things with our physical ears, but it is the job of, according to the Bible, it's the job of the Holy Spirit to reveal those things to us with conviction that the Bible is, in fact, the truth. But he does that in his time, when he wants. John 14, this is what, in the Gospel of John, Jesus says, he says, I will ask the Father. He will give you another helper to be with you forever. Who is that? The Spirit of truth, whom the world, okay, those in Adam, cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you, and because you're going to be in Christ, he will be in you. So Jesus calls here the world, those who are still in Adam, and the spirit of truth is not in you. He, he will work. See, what the spirit of God does is this. Forgive me if I pull these away. So let's say this is you. Okay. A little strange shape. But this is you. Um, now, I believe what could be happening during this time is possibly you've not, you know, you're, you're, you're curious, maybe you're convinced, but you've not gotten into the wheelbarrow, surrendered to Christ, said, I do receive the gift. Well, what, I, what happens is this, still not in Christ. You're, you're not open yet. You're not receiving yet. You're still closed. But this is what happens. The Holy Spirit just brings means and modes of, hey, what about this? Hey, pay attention here. Hey, this is happening. Did you see that? These are things he brings to, to prod us and to encourage us and to convince us that he's the truth so that eventually we turn our lives over to Christ. And so... You think about all the ways in which you through these weeks have been. I can't imagine you'd still be here if, if this wasn't in some way moving you to consider maybe there is something more to life than this. Maybe there's more than the dash and I'm just trying to fill it with whatever. That there's more meaning in the dash than we have and there's a life forever, right? He will be with you forever, okay? Forever through the line is what, is what, is what the Bible tells us. You, for you know him. He will be with you, and he will be in you. 
And then again in the Gospel of John, he says, when, the spirit, when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. I mean, this is kind of what we're talking about right now. He will guide you. He will direct you. He will lead you into all the truth. That's what the Bible says. It's God's intention for our lives to be led by him into all the truth. He will bring glory to me by taking that, taking what is mine, that is the truth that he's taught them, and making it known to you. That's what he's saying here. But again, the Holy Spirit, he can be ignored, he can be misunderstood, he can be resisted, um, but he wants to take control. And the question is, I think a question is good to, that we're at would ask ourselves is why ignore or resist this that we've talked about he is doing in our lives. Um, and the question for me was not, do I not believe? Or the question is, or am I afraid of the perceived ramifications of believing? I thought I believed. But I really didn't because I wasn't in a place where I wanted to surrender and trust him with my dash and my line. I, I, I simply, did I simply not want to acknowledge my sin or that I had a need that is greater than I was able to fill. Um, it's really interesting. I think when Alpha's done, God will not be done. Um, he doesn't just go away after Alpha is done. He could you know, just kind of like the gum on the bottom of your shoe. It just, just can't seem to get rid of this. And I think that's something for us to consider. I mean, who has made you a better offer than God himself has made for you? And so Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit when he addresses the religious leader, Nicodemus. And this is what he tells him. He says, Nicodemus, religious leader, okay? He says, flesh gives birth to flesh. Like we've talked about before, Loria gives birth to Loria in Adam. Alive physically, dead spiritually. But the Spirit gives birth to your dead spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. Look what he says here. This is interesting. He says, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear the sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit, right? You can't see the wind, but you can see the effect of a wind, right? We live through hurricanes. You don't see the wind, but you see the effect of it. That's, that's what Jesus is saying here. It blows wherever it pleases. The Holy Spirit moves wherever he pleases. You can hear the sound of it. But you don't know where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. So I, I think that it would be safe for me to say, biblically, that the Spirit of God is blowing through this room. And there's an effect that's taking place on the inside of us. It's not a physical wind, it's a spiritual wind. And it's, hopefully it's blowing away things that are not true and blowing to us things that are true. So here he is speaking about the personal interaction, personal, God's personal interaction with each of us, every one of us in this room, men and women just like you and me. 
And what are the effects? I mean, we see lots of effects. Um, we'll talk more about this over the weekend. Um, but um, a, a, an effect that we saw of the Spirit was... Um, Annette and I were having dinner with a couple that they were, had no capacity to have... I didn't say no capacity, but they were having no success in having children. Every pregnancy ended in a miscarriage. Um, and they got on the adoption list. They're about, to have a ch- they're about to be able to adopt a child, and everything is moving forward for the adoption of that child. And then the night we're supposed to get together and celebrate that child coming to them, everything falls apart. It was heart-wrenching. But we still got together. We had dinner with them. And what we did, what we did was we, we got together and we prayed for them. And as we prayed, one of the people in the room saw something as they prayed. And they saw a baby in utero. And at the end of the prayer, they said in much fear and concern, uh, while we were praying, I saw this. Could we pray once again for you to be able to get pregnant? Which is really rough because she'd been so many pregnancies and miscarriages. And so she, so she said yes. And, uh, and, and we prayed for her. And about three weeks later, four weeks later, five, I can't remember what it was. It's been a long time now. We get a phone call. She's pregnant. But me, of the great faith I am, is like... <laughs> Okay. Well, she goes through that whole pregnancy and for the first time ever has a baby girl. And that girl's like 20-something today. But the wind was blowing wherever God wanted the Spirit to blow and we saw a a great work of God. I had the um, privilege of hiring many years ago a guy that worked with us for five years. He was a captain in the United States Army, his, his battalion was the first battalion to go into Iraq from Kuwait um, in Iraqi uh, freedom. And it was quite an ordeal for him. Uh, after he was discharged from the Army, he, he came to work with us. Now, he was quite a rough dude. I mean, uh, he had adjectives attached to almost every noun. Um, <clears throat> that he spoke and uh, I invited him to Alpha um, and he came to Alpha and he had been suffering terribly with post-traumatic stress disorder through dreams that just were recurring, waking up every night screaming and just sweating profusely. Um, So he came to Alpha and um, I can't remember what week it was. I think it was week eight or maybe it was this week. Um, the next morning, he walks into my office. He sits down on the other side of my desk. And he says, Frank, I, I want to understand. Christ died for me. He's not looking for me to perform to gain his acceptance. He just wants me to surrender everything I am to him. Is that right? I said, Bev, I think he got it. put his elbows on his knees. He took his hands and planted his face in his hands and he began to pray. And I watched this man go from here to here. 
to never have another nightmare again. His life totally transformed. And God, just a little icing on top, took away those horrific dreams. And to the best of my knowledge, he's never had another dream like that. The Holy Spirit does these things. I can tell you times when we, we prayed for a young woman at church, had, um, had a lump on her breast, did not know what it was, going to the doctor the next day, had been there for quite a while. And we prayed for her. She went to the doctor the next day because still, even though that night when she got home, the lump was gone. I can't explain that. The doctor says, I just don't know what to tell you. It's gone. Uh, at one of our first Alpha meetings, there's a couple. Uh, matter of fact, uh, she's serving here tonight. Um, it was their last chance. Their marriage was over. They had been unfaithful to one another. Um, but they decided to accept an invitation to Alpha. That was in 2003. Um, today, they are actively involved in this church. God healed their marriage. They've had, I think, three or four more kids. And we have watched just miracle after miracle. Happy birthday last week, buddy. Jeff, we were going to get you last week, but you were smart. You So... Um, I mean, this is, this is, these are the things that God does. And sometimes you don't see much. Sometimes you see something. Sometimes you don't see things for years. But suddenly, there's a great move. I, I hope you don't mind me telling these stories. But um, this is who the Holy Spirit is. He does these things. A dear friend that my, my brother and family and I went to high school with, a very successful, very successful guy. He's got more money probably than all of us in this room if we could add everything we've got. <laughs> He's got, and then you multiply it times 10. Um, <clears throat> and uh, he came to Alpha. I've been talking to him about Jesus for years. And, um, and, I, and I said, so we're talking, we're sitting at the table and he says, and I said, this is God's offer to us. It's, he, he, basically, he's offering us a Lamborghini for a Yugo. I mean, he's, he's offering us, you know, more than we could ever imagine. You know, he's offering us forgiveness, acceptance, fulfillment, meaning, purpose, life with him. Why would we turn that down? And he looked me square in the eyes. And he said one word. And that one word was ego. It's like, whoa. I said, that's right. But just about eight years after that, I get a phone call like 3.30, 4.30 in the morning. And um, he had surrendered his life to Christ. I mean, this is what God does. Um, this is the work of the Holy Spirit that he does in his way, in his time. And, and I hope you're thinking about that as we talk about this tonight. Why are you here when you are here? Why? Just chance? Just nothing better to do on a Tuesday night? Or is there something more to that? Is there, is there something the Holy Spirit is doing 
to get our attention. But I think there's ample evidence, ample evidence that God's at work. Let me just share with you a couple things. These aren't meant to be funny. They really aren't. Some evidence is the Holy Spirit's working in our lives. First one, um, you have heart palpitations every time you see a wheelbarrow. And you're just like, oh, can I get away from this? Um, okay, that's the only one that had some chuckle ability. <laughs> Two, you're still coming, really. Did any of you think you would make it this far? I mean, you're still coming. Um, or still watching, if you've been watching live stream. Uh, you're curious when you couldn't have cared caca beforehand, or you, you're convinced when you were just curious, or you're, you're saying, no, I, I want to commit myself to Christ's commitment to me. I want to surrender. That word just means surrender to God's ability to, to keep me and to change me and to work in me. Um, you're critically thinking. You're not just assuming anymore. You're actually thinking about the Bible. You're thinking about, okay, what, what is my life in the, in the dash all about? And what really is on the other side of my last heartbeat? Can I really, really know? Can I know? Um, um, you're reading and understanding the Bible. I think I may have asked you guys last week, how many of you have spent more time in the Bible in the last four weeks than you have the four, last four decades if you've been alive that long? And that... I think we, many of us said, yeah, but you're reading and understanding. It's interesting. You see how it connects to your life. It's like you're praying as if you were conversing with God because you are. You're not just, you're not just mindlessly repeating words that don't mean anything to you anymore. You're actually having a communication with the God who says, I want to have communication with you. I want to have a relationship with you. Um, you're talking about God in public in a way in which is maybe like you've never done that before. Not in a negative way, but in a positive way. Um, you're attending church more and even liking it? Really? You're, it's making sense to you suddenly. You're hearing things you haven't heard in years. You're more conscious of sin. You're more aware of those Things that were, you were never aware of before. Maybe what's coming out of your mouth. Suddenly, ah, that sticks like it never stuck before. Um, your experience of change in what you do and how you feel about what you do and you don't do. Your actions and your attitudes. Um, now this is really interesting. I think that this is, if you're going to hear any of these, this is what I want you to hear. Tim Keller, again, helped us with this. A sense, there's a sense of God's absence. In other words, you're beginning to feel more and more like something is missing, but you know that something is somewhere. A sense of his absence. But this is what I would, this is how Keller ends this. A sense of his absence. Think about this when we talk about this at the tables. A sense of his absence is a sign of his presence. Now, that sounds counterintuitive. But there's a sense of something being missing. And that sense of something or someone being missing, I think is arguably God's work, God's presence revealing to us that we're suddenly feeling that God-shaped hole that only he can fill. It's only filled through Jesus. Twelve. You're attending the Alpha Weekend. Really? Are you serious? I'm going to give my weekend for this? Um, yes, you're doing that. So many of you have signed up, and I hope more of you will, will sign up. 
um, because you're going to understand more this weekend about God's spirit and what he does and how he loves each and every one of us. And then eight weeks just doesn't seem long enough. Well, because it doesn't seem long enough, we actually continue on the other side of Alpha with something called, most properly, Beta. And this is a six-week dinner course that we continue just like this. And we would love for you to be a part of just six more weeks. Because again, it's like, what do I do now? Next week, when we have our last week together, part of it's going, okay, what do I do now? Thanks for the eight weeks. What am I supposed to do now? How do I continue to make the most of the rest of my life? Well, you'll have an opportunity to come to the beta course. We hope you will. It really is a study through a small book, six chapter book of the Bible. And each week we will go through one of those chapters and it'll be the same type of thing. I'll actually to speak much shorter, uh, shorter amount of time. And there's going to be much more time at the tables with, with dinner as well. So if you're interested in that, we, I know we have some signups for that tonight. We'll have those for you next week is all. But think about this. What if God, now come on, really? Think about this. If God, what if God is really, actually, the God who created all things and created you is actually pursuing you? You. Uh, more than, like I said, the convenience of a nice meal on Tuesday, something different to do, or finally getting that person off your back because you showed up, um, that God is pursuing you. Look, we've, we've talked, remember, we've discussed that all of God is relational. Everything about God is relational. And this is how the Holy Spirit mostly does his work, through relationships. Hear me, this is how the Spirit mostly does his work, through relationships. He weaves lives together. That's what he does. You know, I mean, think about this. How'd you get here? What was the, imp the impetus for you to be here? There was a relationship that you had. Someone invited you to, to be here. He weaves our lives together, and then suddenly things happen. Let me give you just another example. Um, this is the New Orleans Academy first grade class of 1963. Um, I was in this class. Um, can, you, can you figure out which one is the... The little Italian boy. Um, so, anyway, yeah, it's, it's, it's this little guy right, right over there. Um, now, this guy right here and I were best buddies through eighth grade when, unfortunately, he could not continue in New Orleans Academy and he had to go to public school um, at Ben Franklin. So... Um, <laughs> And, he, and he, he ended up uh, an industrial psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, PhD, Atlanta, Georgia. And when he made his bar mitzvah, I remember walking down, this little Italian boy walking down the aisle with my Jewish friend, Brian. And uh, so I've, I remember Brian's birthday. It's August 4th. I remember his phone number. It's 504-866-3556. He lived on Grape Street. Um, I remember... I remember Brian. I just every August fourth, I'm calling Brian to wish him happy birthday. He's never answering, but uh, but nonetheless, um, I would stay in touch with Brian. And Brian, uh, very successful. We finally got. He was in New Orleans. We got together for lunch. 
I could see that Brian wasn't really doing all that great. Um, and I began to tell him more about this encounter that I had had with Jesus, the person of Jesus Christ. Not religion, but the person of Jesus Christ. And I watched in Brian's eyes as suddenly tears are coming to his eyes. And I said to him, Brian, um, what if God always had planned that this little Jewish guy and this little Italian Catholic guy would meet because God knew some 30 years later we would connect again so that you could hear the joy, the undeserved gift of Jesus that God had given me. And I watched as this Jewish PhD industrial psychologist with tears in his eyes just said two words to me, just in thoughtfulness, what if? And I've stayed in touch with Brian. I'm not really quite sure where he is, but I'm confident. And you think about that as well. What are all the things that took place in your life that bring you to be where you are tonight and what you've been hearing over the course of these weeks? Um, each of us has a story as to how we've ended up here. And I'd humbly but confidently argue God is behind it. Because um, here's, here's the job description of the Holy Spirit. Um, it says, but very truly, I tell you, it's for your good. Jesus is saying, it's, it's for your good, apostles, that I go away. Unless I go away, the advocate... That's, that's the spirit will not come to you. But if I go away, I will send him to you. And he, when he, Holy Spirit comes, he will do this. Like we talked about last week, the, the, the resume of Satan is to steal, only to steal, kill, destroy. Here's the resume of the spirit. He will convict you. He will convince you. He will convince the world. Who's the world? Those who are in Adam. We were, we were all once in Adam. He will convict us concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment of our sin, of God's righteousness, and a judgment that is to come. A judgment that we want to escape being taken out of Adam and in, placed into Christ. So his job, it's what he does. He comes to convince of our need for a Savior. That we can't do it ourselves. Our good works are not capable of removing us out of Adam and placing us into Christ. I mean, the Holy Spirit really is God's real estate agent. It's the Holy Spirit's job to show us our real estate before God. That's what he does. He shows us where we are. And like we talked about last week, there are just two addresses. Okay? There is the dominion of darkness in Adam. There's the kingdom of God's son, the kingdom of light. It's in Christ and God offers a change of address and an exchange of lives, a change of hearts, right? No longer a heart of stone, a heart of flesh, no longer a dead spirit, but alive in Christ. Those are the things that he does. And so I really had to ask myself, what am I holding on to? Who has made me a better offer than what God has? Um, what value 
could be more than God, the value that God has put. You, you, do you understand this? The value that God has put, if the Bible is true, the value that he has put on every one of our lives, think about this. What is the value of you to God? What is your value to God? The, your value, my value to God, if what the Bible says is true, is his son. That's your and my value to him. So what are you worth to God? What am I worth to God? Jesus. And you think about that. What did God do to procure us for himself? He gave us his son. God loved us and gave us his son. That's your value. That's my value to God. Could there be any greater value than he could give than his son? Who's made us an offer like this? No one. And God says, you give me your mess and I will give you my best. He says, come just like you are. You got a drug addiction? Come like you are. You got an alcohol addiction? Come like you are. You're a narcissist? Come like you are. You're a workaholic? Come like you are. Come like you are. Don't think, well, you know, when I get my life straight, that's when I'll come. No, the Holy Spirit is working now. He's bringing that conviction now. Not to make you a better version of yourself, but to make you new, to make me new. It's what he does. So who is the Spirit? He is the third person of the Trinity. He comes to reveal Christ to you and me. How does he do that? He comes to show us that God loves us. And he's offered us a, a wonderful plan for our lives, in the, even in the middle of the difficulties of this world that we'll have. He's come to convince us that we fall short of God's perfect standard, that we need him to be acceptable to God. He shows us that God has provided the way through Jesus, not through my efforts, as well intended as they may be. He comes to compel us to accept Christ as the only means of experiencing real life in the dash now and forever. And he then empowers us to live above our circumstances and love others, even as we ourselves have been loved. How has God loved us? Perfectly, in spite of us, he loves us. To receive the gift, to say I do, to get in the wheelbarrow, is not an invitation from me. <laughs> it's not an invitation from me. If what God's been sharing with you is the truth, it is an invitation from God himself by the Holy Spirit. It's God's proposing to you. It's hearing God say what he said from the cross through Christ some 2,000 years ago. I do. He simply waits for our response. So, um, tonight would be a great time to experience a reason for, you know, an upcoming Thanksgiving like none other by opening the door of your life to him and inviting him to come in and to change your life in the dash and in the line forever to take us out, take you out of Adam and place you into Christ. And you've come so far. That's why I just would just encourage you again, if there's any way you can make it this weekend, 
to do so. And look, maybe you don't think you can make it, but then you end up, don't worry about registering. Just, just come, even if you don't sign up. So next week, now what? Where do we go from here? Uh, what could the new direction of my life look like having what, heard what I've been hearing all these weeks? And so... Thank you guys for being here for yet another week. We're going to take a quick break and we'll get back to our tables. And I hope to see many of you at the weekend. If not, I will see you next Tuesday for graduation and our last session together. Thank you all so much for being here.